When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Welcome listeners to another edition of Chessie Hour. I'll be hosting. I go by Timson. I'm here with two special hosts. Uh, Shems, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, good, good. And Meads, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I can't complain. Cool, cool. Um, so we got a couple things to talk about. More um, of just what's going on in the world of Chelsea, um, because the game against Wimbledon wasn't really televised, so it was hard to find um, like full highlights of the game. So um, we'll talk about individual performances and and the impact of those performances and um, other things that are going on this week in the world of Chelsea. So without any further ado, um, let's just get into um, it. First of all, um, it seems like reports have come out that Manchester United are now close to securing a loan deal for Sergio Regulon, which seems like um, the Mark Kukurea loan to Manchester United is potentially is now looking to be off. Uh, obviously, we have three left-backs in the squad. Chilwell is undoubtedly the first choice as vice-captain. Um, so what does this mean with, for um, an Ian Martin, who also had links to uh, a loan move to back to Burnley? Meads, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts on it? Um, well, it, it's a bit of a mess, really, um, because we were led to believe you know, whether that's the media, the fans, but let it believe that Kukurea was surplus to requirements, hadn't featured in the first three games of the season. So, you know, yeah, he, he actually didn't feature in any of the games. So we were all thinking that, well, you know what? He might actually be out the door. And personally, um, I rate Kukurea, but I think things have just gotten so toxic so quickly, really, um, with the fans. And, do you know what I think part of it is? Um, it sounds mad, but I think 
his hair, I'm going to say it, I think people generally don't like him because of the way he actually looks. Not that talkless alone or the way he plays, yeah? But I think the way he looks, I think there's... Um, remember that David Luiz, yeah? Whenever he used to be bad, he used to talk about his hair and him being a clown, basically. But David Luiz, for me, undoubtedly was one of our better players. You know what I mean, I think there's this, that element of mess that is attributed to Kukurea, just based off of his appearance, basically. And I think that also kind of filters through into his game. I think people just, yeah, generally don't really particularly rate him as a footballer. And they quick to, for a £63 million player and at Chelsea, who generally give their players quite a bit of time, the, the, the speed at which they've turned on them is insane. And I, I, I don't think it's purely footballing reasons because I look at Ben Chilwell, for example, who has had a catastrophic start to the season um, and he's had plenty of poor games for us in the past. I just don't think he's really gotten that same level of scrutiny, especially so quickly, particularly when he cost £50 million um, himself. But the, the loan deal falling through is, is frustrating because I, I do think that Kukurea needed an opportunity away from the bridge um, to kind of get his career back on track. Um, I think the Manchester United loan would have been positive for him. But, you know, Pochettino playing him yesterday put a spanner in the works. Um, but then also Manchester United, being cheap skates, wanted to have um, a... a cancellation clause in January so I think there's a number of reasons as to why it kind of fell through but Poch playing him um, definitely had an impact on whether that loan actually happens and I do think actually Manchester United get a worse player than Reguilon but that's not really my business it's just yes yeah, it's yeah, he, yeah most, most definitely but I just think <laughs> this is a bit of Kukurea um, personally because yeah. I think Kukurea would have benefited the most from the loan if anything but now we've like it, it's just a bit of a mess because now Matson might be the one to make way, and I was hoping that you know with Chilwell being the only recognised left back and maybe Colwell could be seen as an auxiliary left back. Um, I think that may put a spanner in the works for Matson because Matson may have been given an opportunity to play in this natural position rather than the attack where he has been situated. So it, it just. Not helpful at all. Um, but, man, it, the ramifications can be quite huge, to be honest. Okay, cool. Uh, Shems, let me just kick it to you. What's your take on um, Mark Kukurea and his time at Chelsea and the potential falling through of the loan? Because it's feeling like a case that, obviously, the transfer fee like exacerbates the situation and any any kind of scrutiny that he gets, it's attached to, is this the quality we've, we, we've paid for for a £63 million sign-in, as opposed to had we signed him for significantly less, like a 10-15, um, maybe we wouldn't, the, the critiques wouldn't be as harsh. And also, it, do you think there's also an element of shiny things look better at, at someone else's club? Because right now, the next, the best thing since sliced bread is Estupinan, um, and I could very easily see us 
have been in this conversation in 18 months' time had if Chelsea were to sign a stupid and put him in the squad, then all of a sudden he goes from being amazing and what a talent and what a mark of respect to Brighton's recruitment uh, to he's not this good, he's not that. Um, just give me your overall take on uh, Mark Kukurel. Yeah, I was a huge fan when we signed him, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's been a disappointing 12 months, but obviously I think, you know, the whole team was disappointing. And as I've consistently said that, it was very hard to judge any individual Chelsea player last season. But um, yeah, I think defensively, um, he he looked really, really, he he looked quite bad. Um, I think probably at times last season when he wasn't in a back three. So when he was the out and out left back, it wasn't. He didn't go too well for him. Um, he looked more competent as a third left centre back in a back three, and I think um, with a new manager coming in, you know, in preseason and stuff, you like every player you want to impress and stuff like that. Like, that, that didn't quite happen for him in preseason. I think I can remember him having a couple of um, poor performances. One of which I think it was the Newcastle game in preseason where um, the goal came down his side and he made a mistake. And I think from there on, it was an uphill battle for him to to get into the team and change Botch's mind. So, yeah, I think overall it's not gone the way um, any of us would have thought. I thought he was going to come and be really, really good and push Chilwell all the way, but it hasn't quite worked out like that. And as Mead said, it's not like Chilwell has been fantastic over the past 12 months. So it's quite disappointing that he hasn't been able to push him. So I was all forward alone. Um, I wanted to go through. And yeah, as me said, it would have been very, very beneficial for him. But I think this, I think, I think now we're looking at a situation where, as you know, at Chelsea, the senior players always get the, well, at, at most clubs anyway, but particularly at Chelsea, the senior players always gets the the vote ahead of the the younger youth player. And I think we're looking at a situation now where Matson will probably have to go on loan in January it, um, if he doesn't seal. Because I, I don't know, I can't really see, I, I could be wrong. But I can't see him finding a move by tomorrow's deadline unless something's already in the works. So it's definitely a thing whereby Matson is like, yeah, like there's no, there's probably no space for him in the squad now. And I can't see because I can't see the, him playing the attack being a long term thing, especially the fact that we've just signed Cole Palmer uh, from Man City. So I think yeah, it's 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 it has knock on effects all around. Um, it's a shame for Matson because I really wanted to see him um, play left back. But yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of predicting that he'll go alone in January now, to be honest with you. And we're just stuck with Chilwell and Cucurella. So yeah, he's got to step it up big time though if he stays because he hasn't been good enough, to be honest with you. But so has a lot of players that have been at Chelsea for the past 12 months. So yeah. Cool. Means, what do you think is going through Ian Martin's head right now? Off the back of being potentially forced out because they can't move the bigger fish that he's clearly performed better than so far this season and in pre-season? I mean, you know what? With Matson anyway, I think he's got a very good mentality. Um, I think given the last two loans that he's been on and, you know, he's saying that he's not trying to force... Because obviously the way he's come up was, was quite interesting anyway because there was lots of clubs generally that rejected him. And um, Chelsea took him on board and uh, he he definitely has a, a high degree of gratitude towards the club in general. So he's not trying to force his way to to 
getting into the first team. I think he's quite patient and he, he believes his time will come. But I think he would have assumed that his time was coming this season. And personally, I, I was on the say of the same belief because I thought that, you know, he showed good quality in preseason, um, had a very fantastic loan last season as well. Um, was in the in the championship team of the year. Um, I, I, yeah, generally, I think everything kind of clicked into place for him. And um, yeah, just th- this Kukurea thing is just unfortunately, yeah, like actually, I'm said it hasn't worked out. Um, but more importantly, this loan not going through could have massive ramifications on him. I do think he would feel a bit disappointed, but again, because of the amount of gratitude he has for Chelsea, I don't think he'll be too angry or frustrated. I think he'll just recognise, oh, it is what it is. Um, I can go out and play on loan or I can go and leave permanently. And I think generally that's probably might be what was on his mind at this moment in time because that's why he's stalling on a new deal. Um, because some players eventually, I think he's 22, 23 now, um, he wants to find a home to play. So... It's a tough one, if I'm honest. It is a tough one. Um, I do think that Chelsea would be better served to keep Matson, especially after losing Hall. Um, but yeah, the Kukurea one's tough because sixty-three million pounds is it's not easy to just write off like that. But I definitely think Chelsea should consider, honestly, because I, I think Matson's the better player of the three. To be honest, I'm inclined to agree. I feel like <clears throat> it's a product of the work uh, Markson's done in the academy and recognition of the loan spells he's had. And I think out of the three of us, I'm one who wasn't impressed when he when we were first linked to him before he arrived in England. Someone told me he's like a younger version of Marcos Alonso. And as soon as I heard that comparison, I was just like, no, thank you. And I must admit, I was impressed by his performances at Brighton and he did look a good player. But any kind of optimism that I had for the deal when we initially signed him were quickly killed off when it was announced the fee and the potential for losing Levi Colwell. And obviously, once I gave him the benefit of the doubt and his performances last season didn't really give me any confidence um, and potential for a spring back. Then you look at, obviously, the tactics this season where Ben Chilwell was essentially a left winger, more offensive. Kukurea said a flat left back, which is essentially what Levi Cole was playing at for the most part at the moment. I just don't think that if this is the tactics that Pochettino wants to roll forward with for the foreseeable, I don't see um, Kukurea being able to provide the industry going up and down on that left-hand side, especially as an offensive threat uh, when compared to a Chilwell or even a Martin. So we'll see what happens. Um, I would hope there would be a last-minute entrant come in for him so we can keep hold of Ian Martin instead, but we'll see what happens. But let's move on from that topic and we'll go to the next topic of conversation. We have signed, well, we've all but agreed a deal to sign Cole Palmer from Manchester City. 
for 40 million with potential for 5 million in add-ons as reported by Fabrizio Romano. I'm going to give some insight from a trusted source that um, I think all of us know. I was told by um, this person who knows someone um, with links to the club that basically the club were very much convinced that Elisa was a done deal. So much so to the point where they were creating content for his like announcement video on social media. So when that fell through, there was a case of potentially scrambling around for a plan B. So this is what's happened as a result of that plan B. You could see how we were linked to Bacoli and a number of other players that fit that fit a similar mould to Elise. Um, so let me just kick it to you, Shems. What's your thoughts on Cole Palmer in terms of objectively? What's your thoughts on him as, as a player? And then as a Chelsea fan, what is your thoughts on, on the deal? That's interesting what you said because obviously the deal kind of came out of nowhere. So it does give off very much a plan B because literally it was so unexpected. And yeah, there's no one that could have predicted Cole Palmer comes to Chelsea. But in terms of him as a player, I haven't watched loads of him. I've maybe watched about three or four games. I watched him against Arsenal, the committee shield when he came on. And I watched him a couple of times in Champions League last season. And he looked pretty decent, as well as the Super Cup this season. So, yeah, I, can't, I haven't watched enough of him to give an informed opinion about him as a player. But I think it his his profile made sense when you match it up with what Poch has been saying um, in, you know, these press conferences about potentially wanting another forward who can play across the line. And Palmer, Palmer can play both wings I think he can play number 10. I'm not, I think he can, I'm not 100% sure. But in terms of the stylistically, the profile, it kind of makes sense. Um, so from that perspective, not too surprised, because similar to Elise as well, Elise can, can play right, he can play through the middle, and he could probably play off the left as well, to, to be honest with you. So the profile matches up. So from that perspective, probably not too shocked. But in terms of like the squad and stuff like that, I don't know. And in terms of for him, I, I can't see how, you know, how this is like a step up for him, if that makes sense. Because obviously he wasn't playing much at City and he's not guaranteed to play at Chelsea, to be honest. So from that perspective, I kind of wonder why maybe, I kind of question from his point of view, like what made him like think that this was maybe the best move for him. Maybe he didn't have too many options, but, you know, it's not easy to turn down Chelsea. But I'm intrigued to see how it plays out because I've heard a lot from, about him. I've heard he's very, very talented and, you know, versatility is always good, I think, as well. So I'm intrigued to see it play out, but it's definitely one that I have question marks over in the back of my head. It was just, it was just random, really. It, it is interesting because I, I, I agree with you, Shims, that from the outset, it looks like he's kind of weakened his position in terms of going to a club where or being in an environment where he's going to play less. I think City's squad is deceptively small. Um, and I think a lot of people misunderstand and misread how big City's squad actually is. Um, and whilst they've got, you know, player, they've got a lot of players that can play multiple positions. So they assume that that's like a deep squad. Um, but they actually only have two real wingers. And that's Doku and um, Grealish. Um, 
Bernardo plays out there, Foden plays out there. But those are the only two pure wingers. Um, I wouldn't say that Cole Palmer's a natural winger, um, but he's pretty quick, so he's usually situated out on the right flank. Um, but I did have a think for, like, I had a, I had a think, because there was a moment where I was thinking, this doesn't make any sense to me, it was bothering me. But then uh, I had a think from his perspective, more than my own. But from his perspective, he's a player that's been bought for £45 million or whatever. There's a degree of respect that you get when you're a player that's been purchased versus a player, that, a player that's come through the academy. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is. It might be psychological of managers, but when you've been purchased, I think there's an impetus to play you rather than when you're coming through the academy, they're just going to see you as that academy player that's just come through. Now, it might be slightly different at Chelsea because... <laughs> We're like a youth project in general. Um, so everyone's being looked at as the same. But I do think for Cole Palmer's sake, in his, his own mind anyway, that because he's been purchased, he'll be given a bit of more of a... Uh, um, he'll be looked at in more equal footing with some of the players rather than be looked at as Cole Palmer, the academy project or academy yeah, that's prospect. A, that's a good point. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that might be it. I think that might be it. I think he might be thinking, you know what? I'm looked at as a player that is one of the others and I back myself to be good in that environment. I back myself to be fine in that situation. And that's fair enough. You know what I mean? I understand that for sure. Um, I, I, I don't really begrudge that position, but it is a risk from his perspective for sure. Because if he weren't the first, first choice, there might be... Um, biases against him basically that you you want my guy you want my choice anyway so we might actually he might not get the game time that he he first really but he's a talented player um i i i'm not his biggest fan because i don't think he's got the level of intensity that i like in a winger um same way with elise i like elise a lot but again my my question marks on elise and i think elise has got a lot more quality but i think the the question marks I had with Elise, the, the even the links with him, despite the fact that I've wanted him back at the club for ages, the lack of intensity in his game. When you when you have a lack of intensity, you have to have super high levels of quality on the ball. Um, I think Elise has that slightly more than Palmer, but again, Palmer, I'm open to having my mind changed on him. But I've watched a lot of him. I've not really been particularly moved. Um, he's got good qualities, but just for me, I just don't really see the super special talent that many others see, and that's fine. You know what I mean? So for me, it's just more I'm open to having my mind change, basically. And obviously, he's here now. He's under medical. The deal looks like it's going to be going through. So yeah, I'm more than happy to to see how it goes, man. Because at the end of the day, my opinion on players and transfers don't really matter, to be honest. It's just how they perform for us was what really matters at the end of the day. So it's just one of those things. You just have to wait and see. Nice. Shems, let's be quite critical here now. Two elements of it. Firstly, does Cole Palmer move the needle of our attack? I'm going to say no. As of right now. Until proven otherwise. Fair. Secondly... Is it value for money or have we overpaid? 
Um, I, if you think about it, so he's a top prospect at at one of that probably arguably the biggest club in England right now. So I, I think it's fair money to be honest with you. I don't I, no, I don't I don't think it was fair. If I look at it like you know, if it was one of our top prospects, like for example, like Bayern came before Hudson Odoi, what in two thousand and twenty or two thousand nineteen, and I think what the price was like seventy million. So it's like you know, it's a top prospect at a big club. That's probably your rival. I think it's fair money to be honest. Yeah, no, I, so yeah, I'd say it's a fair price. I don't think it's too too heavy. If we're going like fifty million up, then maybe. But forty five million, I think it's it's fair. Means, do you have any contrary opinions on those two answers? Um, yeah. it's a weird one. Um. I don't like fig like some of the figures. I just don't like them anyway. Um, so forty five million pounds. I'm still stuck in like twenty ten prices, twenty fifteen prices. So it just rubs up the wrong way in general. Um, but forty five million pounds. I don't know. I mean, you you pay a premium because they're young and English in general. Um, he is the crown jewel after Phil Foden of Man City's academy. So I definitely um. I definitely understand that it was going to take some substantial amount of money to kind of get him away from C. But um, for a player that I don't think particularly moves the needle um, for us, I don't really like that use of resources. Um, but I think he does offer something different in terms of, in comparison to our other attackers, I think he does offer a little bit of, a little bit more. Um, cuteness in his game. Um, I think he's got an eye for a pass, a threaded through ball. Um, he is relatively creative and he does like to shoot from distance. So I think he's got a little bit of difference to his game. A more, um, yeah, He's got a bit of a unique profile that we lack in our team. So I could see the use for him, the use case. But I just felt that we had more than enough in our team currently um, to do without him. Um, obviously, Carney's out for a couple more weeks. I think after the international break, he'll be back within the next two weeks after the international break. So I'm like, well, you really need, do you really need him? I don't know. But again, because he's got a unique profile, maybe, you know, I'm looking at who could potentially fall foul um, to this sign-in. You don't really know yet because they're all of similar ages, all relatively raw and not really established. I think the only ones that are established is Raheem Sterling. I think Jackson is going to be given, you know, the license to, to be our main nine. Um, Pochettino loves him. So I think Poch has kind of got Sterling and Jackson in the, the main as the, the solid guys and then Kunku when he returns from injury but Kunku is a long way away from returning so I think there's two spots up for grabs really and I think it's up to the players um, like the Modrics Noni Madweke Cole Palmer um, to really kind of make a stake a claim um, because yeah once Kunku comes back there's only one slot left and it's out of those three to really stake a claim um, I don't really know who I'm back in to take it. Um, it really just depends on opportunity and platform. Um, so, yeah, man, we'll see. 
We'll see. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting signing, to say the least. I'm not going to completely rubbish it just because I don't like the fees or particularly rate the player like that. I'm just going to, like, like with all our signings I've said this summer, um, it's just a mentality shift for me. I'm just like, well, let's just see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we will support him if that transfer, if and when that transfer does go through. And we will keep an open mind and hope he does well if he does come. With that said, we move on from a potential winger to an actual winger on the books in Noni Madueke. He showed a, he gave a good account of himself against Wimbledon. If you haven't seen the highlights, he won the penalty for us and took it. Really good techniques and to keep it the wrong way. And all in all, based on the individual highlights of his game against Wimbledon, he looked promising and he looked lively. Now, obviously, injuries have been a factor and the form of Raheem Sterling has also played a part. But when when he's fully fit, do we believe that Madueke should be getting more minutes? Let's look at it in the current hierarchy of wingers that are, that are fit or will soon be fit in Sterling at the top and probably Mudrick second right now as the first winger off the bench. And then you're looking at Madueke at the moment. Should Madueke be potentially getting more minutes, uh, be a number two first winger off the bench? Should he just get more minutes in general? What are we thinking about him, Shems? Yeah, so generally I like Madueke. I've got, I've got a lot of time for him. I think I think he gives us something different in terms of his one v one play is really really good. At, well, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's really good, and that that element is so important because it just allows you to make something out of nothing and create chances when it doesn't seem like there's an avenue for it. And I think he's got that. And I think if he's given more time to play, he can develop into a really really good player, in my opinion. So. The answer to the question for me, yes, I think he should. I think he's offering way more than, than Mudrick right now, but the Mudrick situation is different because even him, his platform has been terrible too. But that's a that's a separate um, topic. But yeah, I think I think he should, and I think he would have if Sterling hadn't been so good. Um, I think potentially Sterling, I see as is someone that can play either side. So, but the fact that he's played so well off the right hand side and rightly so, Poch is like you know. There's no point moving him. And I agree with that because he's playing so well. So it's just, it's kind of just unlucky because, as you said, he was injured as well towards the end of preseason. But I think Noni just has to be patient. I think his time will definitely come this season. Um, I can't lie. And all you can do is just take his chances like he did yesterday. I heard he had a really good game. I saw a comp. Um, so, yeah, all he can do is just take his chances. When he comes off the bench as well, make an impact. I think off the bench, he hasn't been as impressive in certain games. But when I've seen him play from the start, I've liked what I've seen. So all he can do is just remain patient, take his chances when they come, like get the cup games off the bench, and I think eventually he'll he will fight, he will fight his way into the team because he's definitely got quality in my opinion in terms of beating a man and creating chances. You know what? That's actually fair. You know, I think that's a fair comment in terms of when he starts, he looks a lot a lot brighter. Uh, he has a lot more clue and he's a lot more in the game. I think when he comes off the bench, it just it is very, very sloppy and very, very messy. And I think a player like him, where he is quite raw, um, 
uh, it just doesn't, especially when you've, you've come on to kind of change the game, it just doesn't like look good and like show good um, at all, really. So I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, but in terms of Madueke, I, I felt like, and I'm going to try and not as, not going to be biased because you guys know that I wasn't really, as much as I liked the player, I wasn't a big fan of the signing. I'm going to try and like, have my unbiased hat on um, and try and assess it from his perspective and I guess just in general. So the landscape of the squad is we bought Madrid for £100 million. We've got Raheem Sterling that is, to be honest, gone back to to... Sterling of old, really, with dynamic play, um, getting into the box, attacking the box, um, attacking the last line. He just looks very, very sharp. So in terms of Noni's game time, it's kind of really dependent on Raheem's form. Um, I don't think Raheem's going to be moved out to the left anytime soon, but it depends. If Noni starts showing out, and I think he did a... He, he held himself... Um, I guess he did, he did pretty well against um, pretty weak opposition, but I think he did pretty well um, in terms of like you know beating his man against Wimbledon. But I think he's going to need a lot more performances like that to kind of make a case for him to be playing on the on the right. I think his general play um, outside of the dribbling isn't really strong enough. I think his passing isn't really great. Um, I think like even just like general long range switches, it's not really great. Um, and I think when after the after the dribbles generally, his even his execution isn't quite there. Um, and yeah, the, the decision making is really sharp. Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot to work with with Noni, but I think at this present moment in time he might have to like be content with bench minutes and, and stuff like that. But I do think he's a player that will benefit from playing regularly and developing this game and winning this game. And I do think Poch probably is the right manager to kind of like help him develop and move along in his career. Um, but I don't know if he's going to have the sufficient game time, especially when you consider how good Raheem Sterling's been off that right-hand side. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one, especially now Cole Palmer's coming. Um, I think Palmer's probably going to be playing as the 10. So um, if we're playing the 4-2-3-1, he might be in the, the more central zones and be the 10. So don't know what that means for Lavia, though. If you're playing Lavia... Because I, I was of the understanding that it's Lavia as a DM, um, Caicedo as the 6, um, and then you've got Enzo that's kind of more free-roaming into the 10 spaces, into the half spaces to kind of do damage. Um, but Again, I, I'm just trying to gauge how it kind of works. I, I, I see Lavia's role as like, not rotational, but somewhere between like a starter and a rotation, if that makes sense. So I think... You I don't mean think like the start. John Obi Mikel tactic. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I feel like he'll... Early in, career. Yeah, early on, you know, ease him in. I don't think I don't think he'll be a nailed on star every week. And I think he's happy with that. You know, he's only 18, 19, he's very young. Yeah. Um, I think I think it will be game dependent on on I think yeah it will be game dependent whether Lavia plays or not to be honest with you so yeah that's how I see that one but I, I even him I think it will be fine and I think Poch will sometimes use like a three maybe potentially but yeah we'll see we'll see it's it's tricky it's early days it's it's very tricky and I think I, I'm 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 trying to 
I'm trying not to be overly critical about the state of the squad and the state of the, the squad building. I'm just trying to see where everything kind of falls. And um, maybe from there, we can kind of um, get a, a, a better scope. Because obviously, we've got one more day until the window closes. So I just I just want to see where everything settles. I think, Shims, you did an exercise today where you, you went through the squad and saw what the actual squad was. I think we had 26. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't players. as messy as I thought it would be, but there's still a lot of players in, in those three positions behind the striker. I still feel like, mm. I think with the addition of Palmer, there's there's a lot of players there because I completely forgot Nkunku was around. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Nkunku's next until Jan or February, so like he's out for a long time. So, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's easy I for you to forget December, about though. Yeah, bro, no, yeah, 2024, bro. It's hell. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I completely forgot about Nkunku. So yeah, there's a lot of players behind that striking position. So that's what I'm intrigued to see. And I think I think the pivot will sort itself, to be honest. So yeah. Yeah. I did want to ask you, Tim, um Modric. Um, before we go on to anything else, I did want to talk about him. Um I think, you know what, with, with Cole Palmer, he's got that ingenuity to kind of find people in behind. I think Mudrick has that as well, but he's got all that other stuff. Um, do you think Cole Palmer's arrival could spell danger for Mudrick? I wouldn't immediately jump to that. And this is the first first time I've considered Palmer's arrival and the impact it would have on Madrid. So immediately, I'd probably say no. But mm. potentially, if we go conventional and have a left footer on the left-hand side and a right footer on the right-hand side with Sterling or as it's been with the fullback in Chilwell, potentially it's uh, another body that Madrid has to beat. And at this point in time, one thing I will say Cole Palmer has over Mudrick is a certain level of refinement that comes Mm. in handy in the big games. So you look at Mudrick and you look at his highlights when he's comfortable and he's confident when he's playing in Ukraine and, okay, this is a dribbly problematic winger for opposition defences to deal with. At this current point in time at Chelsea, He's a very, very raw, uncut version of Adama Traore in his early stages in the Premier League for me. Mm. Um, probably a, a lot better in terms of his touches and ball control when he's in when he's dribbling, but everything else gives me Adama vibes. Um, mm. And Adama is a lot more dangerous with his dribbling now, and I see no, I see no reason why Mudrik couldn't um, get confident, increase his ball control. But right now, I'm just looking at it like he's got so much work to do on the training ground, and then if there's more bodies to hold, hold his um, experience, his opportunity to gain experiences in game. Um, because obviously playing games can grow someone, can develop someone leaps and bounds in addition to the work they're doing in the training field. But all in all, I don't really, I think Mudrik has got his own struggles to deal with before he even looks at people that are coming into the squad. 
So I will probably say no to answer your question. I think I think cool. what you said is is interesting in terms of like the game thing because for me the midget situation is really is really frustrating for me because when I look at his debut against Liverpool back in January and it's like you saw like the talent or whatever and even like the signing in the first place it wasn't really a signing that we particularly needed but we just done anyway and to think that like now we're here we are nine months later and we're potentially thinking of was potentially talking about someone being replaced who hasn't even really had a fair crack for someone we spent so much money on. I find it incredibly frustrating. Like, I really do. Because like, for me, I'm not even at a point where I'm criticizing. It's outrageous, bro. Yeah, it's outrageous. I'm not even... I'm not, I've not even... I don't think I've really once... Like, all my group chats have really tried to get me to do it, but I've not once criticised Mujik himself because I just feel like his time has been really crap. Like, what platform has he actually been given to to develop confidence and build someone we signed for 88 million someone that had a really really good bro, day it, what do. Like, bro, and, I just, and we're here I, we are like it's frustrating it's insane to me it's insane and I, I i get confused all the time because sorry i don't think you hear me um the thing to me is crazy um because he was signed believing, the people of the club believing that this kid has got the capacity to be a superstar. Um, and for all intents and purposes, his debut against Liverpool was a, a, a glimmer um, into what, you know, many people thought was, you know, a, a potential superstar. He, he was fantastic. And I just feel like the environment in which he came into Chelsea was horrible. And generally, that kind of applies to everybody. I think everybody really and truthfully was bad. Um, but the biggest issue, I think, that people are often forgetting is that Chelsea was struggling not only with their identity, um, approach to games, but where it kind of felt... Like Mudrick, Enzo, for example, was able to play every game. You know what I mean? Like Regardless of who... He, he came in and he's played every game. Mudrick bought for a similar amount of money, £88 million. Pounds. Um, but he wasn't given that same platform to just play. It was just like ripped out under him. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's not fit. Oh, yeah, no, we kind of want to get McClamatized, whatever. I'm like, well, bro, you bought him for how much money? And you, you don't want to give him the platform to play. It's insane. And I think Generally, at Chelsea, at times, we don't really help our players. To, you know, I, I don't think we do. I think we kind of put them in, like, the worst position in terms of trying to make them thrive. And then we kind of, like, straight up try and get rid or, yeah, because especially these owners, they're ruthless, to be honest. Um, I don't think they have any real um, problem in getting rid of players that they think, you know what, we spent money on you, it's not working, we'll get rid. I don't think they that. that you know, they don't have real sentimental attachment to players like others do, and like especially like Roman did. Um, but I just think, man, you need to give players and people a platform to show what they can do. And I just don't think at Chelsea it's been happening. You know what I mean? It's definitely not happened for Modric. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a bit messy, man. So I, I do want him. And generally, I am kind of rooting for him because I do think he can offer so much um, as long as he gets the platform to do it but 
Yeah, man, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a bit messy, to be honest. It's very, very messy. Yeah, it's a very strange situation. And we'll see, because I'm definitely in agreement. We bring these players in, but are we really sure we give them the tools and the stability they need to push on? Because a lot of the time we're expecting instant miracles and return on investment unless we've invested so much that it cannot fail or the club loses faith. So unless they're bidding a hundred million because Mudrik is almost a ninety million pound sign in and he's not been given the support, I think a player that's been had that much invested into him should receive. So that's just one that that's probably a topic for another conversation, I think. But we'll move on. Next topic of discussion is Lukaku. He has finally found a home after a tumultuous saga this transfer window. He has reunited with Jose Mourinho at Roma. What are we thinking? Obviously, Tammy Abraham is recovering from an ACL, I believe. So there won't be any competition from Tammy this season, at least. Um, what are we thinking for Lukaku? Are we just glad he's gone? Meads, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that this is the way that Lukaku's career is kind of filtering out and ending. Um, as someone that I've, I've followed him since he was 16 um, and had a, a lot of admiration for him because he kind of wanted to fulfill his dreams. He got a move to Chelsea at 18 years of age. Didn't quite work out for him, but he went out on loan. Um, yeah, it didn't work out for him under AVB. He was hoping to play more, didn't really play. Um, then, obviously, AVB got sacked, and then Roberto Di Matteo reverted back to the old guard, so he didn't play at all that season. Then he went on loan to West Brom, had a great spell there, um, and then got another loan move to Everton after coming back and, you know, missing a penalty in Super Cup and then that kind of changed his whole kind of trajectory at Chelsea and I think his career to date has had many ups and downs um, I think his international record is fantastic I think there's no doubt that he's a proven and a quality goal scorer but I think in modern football um, you need to have a bit more especially if you're if you're a scorer right if you're a netter you need to be having more to your game and ultimately you need to have a good character. And I think Lukaku's character has come under question a number of times um, in, the re in recent years. And I just think that ultimately footballers, it's a short career, so you, you, you should be entitled to be selfish at times. But I just think the way he's gone about things, for me, ever since like you know he forced a move to go from Everton to United, and then it's just not been good, to be honest. Um, so for me personally, I'm happy to see the back of him. I didn't want him back in the first instance. Um, I felt like he should have stayed where he was loved at Inter. But again, he somehow managed to isolate them. And yeah, because 
it's just a bad, bad situation, um, for, to be honest. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't wish him um, any illness or any ill will. Um, I want him to do well. Um, I, most, I want most people to do well, but I just, I just him as a person and the way that he's kind of gone about things for me, it's just been so messy. I'm just like, oh, I just want to get rid, just get rid. Um, so by far and away, one of the worst transfers has ever happened in in our club in football in general to be honest because yeah the way it's kind of panned out and transpired has been really really bad um so yeah man happy to see the back back of him he, he's out of our hair for at least another year um they've inserted a release clause into his contract he's got reduced wages too so yeah all, all in all quite happy how it's kind of ended up but yeah man massive cash loss on him but it's what it is, man. Just get him out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Shems, have we done the best we could do given the situation and the lack of interest in Lukaku? We've got his we've got his wages off the books. We've got him to take a reduction on his wages, and he is far away from the club. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the best we could do in this. Uh, in this situation, to be honest with you, because at one point it was looking like it, it wasn't going to shift, but yeah, he's out for another year. Contract runs down for another year. Yeah, happy days. To be honest, I haven't got much to say about him. Um, I'm just happy he's gone. Yeah, man, good luck to him. To be honest, nice. <clears throat> Actually, one thing. Um, so we're going to talk about Callum Hudson the door, and it looks like he's off to. Uh, Nottingham Forest, but uh, another Nottingham Forest signing um, that they've made recently is Andre Santos. But in the last few hours, they've been linked with signing another midfielder in Ibrahim Sangare. And for those that don't know Ibrahim Sangare, I've been quite big on him since his time in France. Um, <clears throat> and then he's kind of been at PSV for as a holding club, leaving France and going to PSV, uh, Biden this time waiting for the right move to occur. And he's more of a defensive-minded midfielder and a lot of people on Twitter or X are saying that, oh, we should recall him, why we've just loaned them, but they've got Danilo, they've got Andre Santos, and now they're about to potentially take on Ibrahim Sangari. So a lot of people are unhappy, but two things for me that I just want to add as caveats. He has to work his way into the squad, Andre Santos, and he played 89 minutes. And in that 89 minutes, there was um, a particularly good passage of play where he bopped it uh, with the fullback, beat a press and um, played in the, the left winger. Also, Andre Santos can do a bit of everything. So I think his best position is a box to box as a number eight. And if there is a clearly defined number six in Ibrahim Sangari potentially coming in, I think that allows us to see the best for him to allow him to do what he wants to do, which is impact the game on both sides of the ball in and out of possession. So, um, Meads, what's your take on, um, firstly, Andre Santos going, Andre Santos and how you think he'll fare at Nottingham Forest? And then, um, just kind of 
parting thoughts on Callum Hudson and Doy as the deal looks to be um, almost complete? I mean, it's um, how do I put this? It's it's one of the reasons as to why I hate loans. To be perfectly honest, um, it's not the job of the loaning club to develop our players. And I think one thing that we need to recognise is that as a club, it's a failure to give out our players and expect them to be developed by others. Now, what happened with um, Levi Colwell, for example, where he was went to Brian, didn't play for a couple of games. Everyone's like laughing at it and saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, you know, you should have stayed. Should say blah blah. Not good enough against the Brighton team." And boom, he gets the platform, and you know, he was ever present and one of their best players. Deserby spoke extremely highly of him. Wanted him to get, wanted to get him back, etc. But that was a situation where, you know, for what, whether it was a game or training or whatever. Deserby believed in Colwell, regardless of him not being their player. They believed Colwell, you know, impressed Deserby and Deserby believed in him. But that's Deserby. There are some other managers that just don't feel that same affinity to a player, even if he's high quality. And for me, Andre Santos is a very good player, very, very good player, but he's 18 years of age. So even though he's coming from Chelsea, He's not coming with that super academy um, um, high regard. So he's not being looked at and looked after the same way as Levi Colwell would, as Levi Colwell was looked at as one of the gems of the academy, for example. So there's that element. But then there's also this element of, well, I'm trying to fight to stay in the Premier League. So I don't really care if I'm getting other midfielders in where Audrey Santos might play. I'm just trying to, one, keep my job and two, make sure that we kind of survive. So we need to get the best equipment in. Um, Andre Santos might actually prove to be the better equipment in terms of Sangare or the other midfielder that they actually recently got in. But it's not really not an Forest job, to be perfectly honest. And I think Chelsea should have sent him to an environment where he's pretty much guaranteed to start, guaranteed to play regularly if you didn't have a plan for me in your squad this season. Um, but here, here we are. This is the problem with loans. You can't really legislate and control what other teams do with your player. Um, and I think rightly so. Again, this is what you get for trying to get other people, other teams to take on your responsibility. So it's it's a shame for Andre, but we have to see how it plan, plays out. I think he... He's got enough quality to if he if he gets a platform, he'll show what he can do. But we'll just have to wait and see and see how that goes. He's eighteen years of age, so he's still very very young. So I think twenty games a season will be really good for him. But yeah, man, we'll see how it goes. In terms of Callum Hudson Odoi, very interesting one to be honest. Um, uh, for me, I've I've always said like we're spending hella money on loads of players, but I still think in terms of talent, I think Callum is still probably better than a lot of players that we've actually bought. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I think Callum needs a change for sure. It needs a change of um, 
Yeah, he needs to change of environment. I think he needs to be detached from Chelsea Football Club because it's just, yeah, it's not that it's toxic. I just think he needs a new environment, a new space. He needs to be out of his comfort zone because I think when you're at a club, especially that has been, you know, you reach the top in terms of being the star boy of Chelsea, breaking through under Sarri, being super impressive since your breakthrough, until the injury, then you've just, there's just so much baggage with Callum, um, which is a shame because he's got so much talent, so much ability that I, I just, I can't see his career being a bad one. I think he's going to go from strength to strength in general, but he needs to really shape himself up and kind of throw himself out of his comfort zone to grow. Um, and I do hope he... He assesses his options because it isn't just Forrest. I think there's Forrest, there's Fulham interested, there's Lille that's interested. So he needs to really assess his options carefully and make his decision carefully because I think at 22 years of age now, he needs to be playing regularly. He needs to be part of something where he feels like there's um, a trust in him. And... um Obviously, not in Forest. There is that England under seventeen connection with um, Steve Cooper. So we'll see, man. We'll see. It's a it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I think in terms of like the newly promoted sides, in terms of like the last last season, this season, I think Forest are pretty well equipped to stay in the league. So maybe maybe going there is quite sensible. Fulham, excuse me, Fulham. Um, I I don't know. Fulham got wingers, you know what I mean. Fulham do have wide men, so I don't know if that's a sensible move. I think Lil might be a, a very good one, out the way in another country, minimum not as many distractions. It's not too far away, um. So if you get homesick, you can just hop on a train. So I'm just, I don't know. It's a tough one for Callum, but I do think Lil. And Forrest would be great moves for him. Um, I'm kind of edging more towards Lille, though. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's where I stand on him. I still believe in his talent, still think he's going to come good. Um, but I think it would just be away from Chelsea. Cool. Uh, Shem, before I kick it to you, I just want to say Fabrizio Romano has given the here we go confirmation of Sergio Regulon to Manchester United on loan. Also, um, ex-Chelsea player Timur Bakayoko has signed for Lorient on a two-year deal. I know we'll be glad to see the back of Bakayoko, top, top player for us, but um, we wish him all the best. What's your thoughts <laughs> on... <laughs> what's your thoughts on um, hudson Adoy leaving and um, Andre Santos and the status, the state of his... Um, loan and prospects at Nottingham Forest Shems. Can I just say, Bakayoko is the only player I've ever seen Dan criticise. You must be bad if Dan criticises you. Anyway, um, hudson Doe. yeah, Nottingham Forest have got a lot of players. I think I saw something in the group chat um, on Twitter the other day. I think they've got like 30-something players and they've got quite a few attackers, you know, Johnson, Awani. Um, yeah, they've got, they've got a bunch of attackers. So, I think he it won't be a, a stroll in the park for him to go in there and just start, but he's definitely ta- talented enough to start there every week, and he should be starting there every week. To be honest, I think 
I think it'd be a good move. Um, you know, stay in a prem, um, and build up his reputation again. Um, and I, and I'd back him to do that. To be honest with you, at a club there, you know, the pressure away from the limelight, kind of just focus on his football and do his thing, really. Um, so yeah, that would be a good move. Um, is it? Wait, sorry, which one is full? I think Fulham pulled out the race. I think so. I think it's not enough for us. That looks more likely. So yeah, that would be a good move. In terms yeah, of Santos, Fulham are back in it. Fulham are back. Oh, in are Fulham it. back they, in it. They did. Start, yeah, they started to. They came back asking a question to see Wagwan. So. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, watch that space then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Fulham are going to struggle this season, if I'm, if I, in my opinion. So I, I don't know if... I don't think Callum... Callum going to the Championship would be... Yeah, I don't think that'd be good for his career. So I, I think Nottingham Forest would probably be the better move because um, I think I think Callum's someone that will flourish around. You know, he's at a point in his career whereby he actually needs to like have stability and if you're if a club's yeah. looking to like go down I don't think that's good for that in that perspective and in terms of you Santos, see Brennan I'm Johnson not... just a yeah. question though with with, yeah. with Callum I think him going there would really depend on Brennan Johnson um, that's a good point because if yeah, if Brennan goes if Brennan mm. goes then I think that right hand side is Callum's yeah yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that that right hand side will be Callum. I think you look at who they've got. Um, obviously Morgan Gibbs White plays. He's he's one of their best players, their captain, a one who starts as you know as a striker. So that right hand side really is up for grabs if Brennan goes. Um, obviously they got Alanga in, but I don't think and Alanga one has the credibility. And relationship with Cooper, I think Cooper throws in Callum straight away into that right hand side, and I think with a one year, the quality he has in the air and Callum and his crossing ability, I think that will be real, real problems for teams. So I think for me, if I'm Callum, I'm looking at the Brennan Johnson um, situation very carefully, and if he goes to Spurs, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's me. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to Spurs. I'm going to, to, to Forest Because I think at Forest as well, especially playing with Morgan Gibbs-White, another one of his teammates um, in the England under-17s, I think if he looks at the way that Gibbs-White's career has kind of transcended since he's been at Forest, I think he he look at him and think, you know what, yeah, this is a place for me. And I think Cooper being there as well definitely adds value to the move. So whilst Leo, I think, would be great in terms of being out of the limelight, being out of the way, I think he kind of, for himself, would want to to play in the, in the Prem and show that he can cut it in the Prem. So I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that he picks um, Forrest if they get rid of Brendan Johnson, for sure. But yeah, sorry, continue with what you're saying about, about Callum Shams. No, it's calm. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's cool. I I probably back him even if they, even if Johnson stays. I probably back him to kind of um, take that spot anyway. But yeah, it would it would be interesting. I was I was done on kind of menu here. I think on Santos, you asked me about. I don't know Santos. I'm not too like clued up on in terms of him as a player. I only watched a little bit of him pre season. But um, I agree with what me said. I think at that age, you so you so so young. I think just getting like 20 games would be good. Um, he doesn't have to absolutely start every week, in my opinion. But if he can just get sufficient games, kind of like Cole, Cole got like, Cole only played like 20 games last season as well. So if you just get mm-hmm. similar time to that and just like kind of build that credibility, uh, adapt to the league, I think that'll be fine for him. So 
yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. It's it's going to be interesting. I think. No, no. The reason the reason why I feel the reason why I feel like um. Sorry. Yeah, the, the no, reason why down. I say that Callum, the reason why I feel like Callum should be wary because Brennan played thirty-eight games in the Prem last season, so like there, there's naturally that that draw to him. You know, he, he played thirty-eight games, scored eight goals, got three assists in the league from right, right wing. So like, I feel like <laughs> I think he'd be sensible to see and look. If that move goes through, you know what I mean? That he goes to Spurs because I, I don't think personally he's got enough credit in the bank. Whilst he's got a good relationship with Cooper, I don't think he's got enough credit in the bank considering he had a relatively poorish loan at um at um, Leverkusen last season. So I think generally he needs to just wait and see what that transfer is saying personally anyway. Makes sense. So, um, with Hudson Adoy, wish him all the best. He is my last personal favourite in the squad. Um, with that being said, I've, um, without having favourites, um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping he gets a platform to show what he can do, and he gets to play with without fear in his game, um, as that's something that I feel like has hindered him, um, and. It, it kind of culminated in an underwhelming loan spell. And with Andre Santos, I back him to showcase his ability and um, shine regardless. So whoever comes in will probably be an enhancement to the description we give to him. So we'll say he came into a a competitive team, um, a competitive midfield in particular, similar to how Reese James went to Wigan, knowing that their their previous season's player of the year was their right back, and mm-hmm. Reese went there and believed in himself and ousted the guy before kind of being moved more central in the midfield area, and I'm hoping for a similar level of confidence and um, outcome for Andre Santos. So um, yeah. we'll just keep an that eye on that. Yeah, similar ages as well. Reese was 18, 19. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's very fair. But, yeah, we can only hope for the best for Santos, to be honest. Um, definitely. But I, I, I back him. He's got enough quality about him, to be honest. And finally, we just talk about Pochettino's neat um, desire for a 23-man squad. We probably won't spend too much time on this. I don't have any big opinions on this, um, any particularly strong opinions on Pochettino's need for a 23-man midfield, but all I would say is I hope he potentially revises this, just given how common injuries seem to be at Chelsea. What's your take on it, Shems? Um, I think you make a good point, and um, it's funny because today I was literally thinking about the same thing. I was thinking to myself, you know what, maybe it's not so bad that we've got an extra attacker because we just seem to be plagued with injuries all the time. But um, I think originally when when I heard that he wanted like a 23-man squad, I thought, you know what, that's fair because one game a week, blah, 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 you know, um, you're not going to need a huge squad. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think 
when when I was looking at the winger areas, I did I did kind of feel we were a bit light, but at the same time, that's very dependent on like injuries and fitness. So I think it's good to be on the safe side just to kind of cover yourself and kind of. I think the number like twenty like twenty five I think is okay personally. Like where we're at now, we're probably about two over I'd say, but I think about twenty five is good. Um, but yeah, I just worry if we get knocked out of the cup, then we're gonna have too many players until Jan. So it's it's dependent on a, on a on a lot of factors. I think it's too early for me to really make an informed judgment on it. So I just have to see, man. Because again, it depends on systems, how Poch uses the players, how far we go in tournaments. So I think I think it's too early right now, but we we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, similar sentiment to be honest. Um, hard for me to judge, hard for me to criticize the squad size, um, even hard for me to criticize signings. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm quite vocal, but some some of the signs I don't quite understand, but. I think it's not really up for me to understand. It's up for Poch to really make sense of it all. And I'm just hopeful that he is kind of involved in getting these players in, is kind of involved in the decisions as to, you know, squad size. And yeah, man, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be difficult to cut the squad um, to 22 or 23 players. But I do agree that we may need additional bodies considering the injury issues that we seem to be having. Um, and they're that never ending, but yeah, man, we'll, we'll see. It's it's, it's going to be a, an interesting watch to say the least. Nice, and I think that is the perfect place to leave leave off. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much to Shems and Meads for being on the pod with me. It's been a pleasure. All good, bro. Take it easy. Take it easy. Thank man. you. Take care. Podcast Network.